So my name is Josh. If I haven't met you yet, I'd love to. Um, I've been here about two months now. It's been great to get to know you, get to know Hope. Um, I was on Friday night and Saturday, I got to spend some time with some of the guys from Hope Des Moines at the men's retreat at the camp out. Also the guys from Hope Ankeny. And I do have to say, I think Hope Des Moines guys, it's a better looking crowd than the Hope Ankeny people. So yeah, there we go. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, so we're continuing our sermon series this week, Living the Story. And today we're specifically talking about discovering our part in God's story. But before we do any of that, uh, let's say a prayer here. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you, to have a connection with you, to feel your presence here. Thank you for the opportunity to be in this school, in this city, and in this place. I pray that you would speak to us this morning. Amen. So, what do you use a mirror for? Most of us, the mirror, it's something, you know, we spend a lot of time in the morning getting ready. We do our hair, we do the makeup. Me, not so much the makeup. The hair, though, I do work really hard on. I hope you can tell. Uh, you know, our, make sure your clothes are just right. Uh, and don't just think, guys, don't just be like elbowing your wives, elbowing your sisters, something and saying like, hey, you know, I think you should pay attention to the sermon. It's going to be about vanity or something. Because I've seen guys at the gym that are pretty into themselves. Like, I'm here sitting in the, like, free weight section, you know, so you've got mirrors all around you. And I'm sitting down, doing my, like, 10-pound weights, oh, struggling. And there's this, like, big guy that comes up behind me, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he, like, looks at me like, oh, you little girl am I? Oh, that, you know, the Arnold Schwarzenegger voice that I can't do, apparently. He looks at me, and he's like, oh, watch this, watch this. And so he, like, takes his, like, 150-pound weights, and he's like, and then he, like, drops it on the floor so everybody can hear this loud rumble. You can tell how strong this guy is. And then he, like, looks straight into the mirror, and he, like, does one of these, does one of these, and he just, like, keeps staring. And I'm sitting down here doing my thing, and I'm like, is he looking at me? Like, what? Should I? I'm just going to go. And he just, like, keeps staring at himself, and, man, we are so into our own reflections. We are so into our own reflections. What do you see when you look in the mirror? Sometimes, like in the morning when you wake up, you probably got a little hair like going 12 different directions. It's kind of a little crazy, maybe a little like crusty crust in your eye here, something going on, some drool like dried from the... It's not always the prettiest picture. And then maybe you look a little bit closer and you see some scars, you see some like physical pain and some reminders of past brokenness and you see a relationship that you never reconciled. You see a job that you lost and the failure that you felt from that. You see family members that you haven't talked to in a long time. You see an addiction that still haunts you. You see all this stuff that tarnishes your reflection. Let's turn to Ephesians 2 here. Try to get you in a good mood for this first part of the Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 is not the easiest stuff to listen to. But Ephesians is way back in the back of your Bibles. When you get it, say, I got it. Let me know. All right. Oh, that was fast. Good work. Good work. Okay. I'm impressed. All right. So I'm going to read it. Let's just follow along with me here. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. 
All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. See, Paul is holding up a mirror to humanity. He's holding up this mirror to us, and I'm not sure, it's definitely not a pretty reflection. It's a pretty ugly reflection, but luckily, the story doesn't stop there. God's story with us does not stop there. Because God didn't just say, okay, you know, all those scars that you see, why don't you get some work done on your face, fix that, fix the brokenness, fix the problems in your life, then I'll love you. No, in, instead, God says two things. First, he says, I see your reflection, and I love you anyways. I see all of those things, all of the brokenness, all of the pain in your life. I see it. I see the worst of you and the best of you. I see all of it, and I love you anyways. The message translation of Ephesians 2, 4 through 5, the next two verses, goes like this. Immense in mercy and with an incredible love, God embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did it all on his own with no help from us. We have no part in this love that God has given to us that God has blessed us with. God saw our reflection in the mirror and he loved us anyways. God saw our scars. He saw all of the hurts, all of the pain, all of the unreconciled relationships and the lost jobs and the addiction and the pain and the sorrow. He saw it warts and all and he said, come give me a hug. He said, I love you so much that I will send Jesus, my son, to embrace you. And then he says one more thing to us. He says, Reflect my love. Reflect my love. See, it wasn't just an embrace and that's the end of the story. Salvation is not the end of the story. It's the beginning of something new and something incredible. We've been saved by grace, but we've been saved for works. For a work that he has planned for us to do. Let's read Ephesians 2.10. It's the last part of Ephesians. We're going to read it together on the screens here. It's the best part. And this is the part I think a lot of times we miss. We get stuck up on Ephesians 2.8. We get stuck up on the good parts Good news for us, but we forget it's not about us. So let's read this together. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So I see Ephesians as kind of a guidebook for learning how to reflect God's love. It's just six chapters, so I'd encourage you sometime to read it it's a, it's a guidebook for me about what it means to fully participate in God's story. It's about being saved by grace, but being saved for works. But what is that work? What is that work that he's prepared in advance for us to do? I'm going to focus in on uh, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. We're going to read that too. There's going to be a lot of reading here. So actually, I think this is the last thing. Don't worry. This is it. You can take a nap after this. So here's Ephesians 5. So we're, we're thinking like, what is the work that God is wanting us to do? Let's read it together. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Oh, 
Okay, so all we have to do is imitate God, the everlasting God of the universe. I think that's pretty easy, right? So let's just, let's all stand up. Let's all stand up. Everybody, I'm serious. Like, stand up. Here we go. And we're just going to go. Like, we're done. That's it. It's easy to imitate the immortal, invisible God of the universe, right? No, no, it's not. That is so difficult. It's so daunting, I'm sure, to a lot of us. It's daunting to me. You can go back and sit back down. I'm sorry, you're not getting out of it that easy. I'm sorry. God is more loving, he's more compassionate, he's more perfect, he's more patient than any of us could ever hope to be. But luckily, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, did you catch this verse? Paul kind of specifies how we're supposed to imitate God. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. So God says, I've seen your reflection. I love you anyway. He says, reflect my love by living like my son. And so, if Christ is our example, it's a very specific kind of love that we're supposed to imitate, that we're supposed to reflect. It's a love that hangs out with prostitutes and doesn't care about his reputation. It's a love that makes it intentional movements to go and hang out with people that are not like him, that society says are dirty, are unclean, are people that we should just totally ignore. And he goes and he makes those forgotten people his priority. That's the kind of love that we're supposed to reflect. It's a love that healed outcasts and forgave sinners. And most importantly, it's a love that endured the cross, that embraced humanity in all of its ugly reflection. It's a self-giving self-sacrificing, selfless love that is always focused not on self, but on the other people around us. So as I was getting ready for the sermon, a few weeks ago, there's a news story in Oklahoma City about a boy, 10 years old, who had this idea of one way that he could reflect God's love for his brother. I want you to take a look at this video. Every now and then you find one of those kids, one who validates your faith in future generations. Only this time we didn't find him, he found us, Amanda and me. And the letter this Edmund boy wrote left us overcome with emotion. You'll understand why. Dear Mr. Kelly Ogle and Amanda Taylor. I don't want any money, but I need help. The words, the penmanship, are clearly those of a young child. My pastor said we have to be, God, be God's hands and, and feet, but I'm going to be his legs too. But the compassion and caring speak of a much older soul. Ten-year-old Tobias wants to be a pastor himself when he grows up. He says an army pastor, so he can minister to men dying on the front lines. It's not uncommon for him to write encouraging notes to his hard-working single mom. He brings home good grades and frequently sports trophies. But as remarkable as all that is, that's not why we went to his house. That little boy looking out the front window is. Every time I just see my brother staring outside, and he's looking at kids riding his bikes, and just looks out there and see him running, talking and laughing, and I just, and he cries every time. His big brother, by a year, has been stricken with cerebral palsy. Titus can't walk, hear, or eat food. But Tobias is determined his brother will get outside, have fun, and feel the wind against his cheeks, like other kids do. And that's where the letter to us comes in. 
I would start by pushing him in a 5K and we would work our way up to an Ironman contest someday. Our first 5K where I push him is Friday night at John Marshall High School. Here's the part I need help with. My mom is a teacher and can't afford one of those fancy running, pushing joggers. All I have to use is a baby stroller. I don't think it will fit Titus. Can you go on the news and not ask Oklahomans to give me anything, but can someone loan me a jogger pusher so I can push Titus in the 5K? And Tobias has already been training for this race, running two miles, pushing an empty infant stroller. He's never run the 3.1 miles he'll have to go Friday night, but he won't be stopped. I'm just going to believe in God and just let him take over so I can just try my hardest. It's not all about me. It's about Titus and love. And it's about a letter from a little boy with a heart for the hurting. I will volunteer myself out to any other parents who want me to run their disabled children in a 5K. I can be the legs of more than one kid. Wasn't that an awesome story? It's not all about me. It's about Titus in love. It's about looking towards other people and giving ourselves away. It's about reflecting God's love to the world. And by the way, uh, Titus did get a jogging stroller donated for him to keep, and they ran in the 5K, and they had tons of supporters around them. So where is God calling you today to be his hands and his feet and his legs? Where is he calling you to reflect his love? Now, you might be saying like, Josh, you don't understand. I am swamped with the kids at home, and I've got work, and I'm just stuck in a cubicle all day, and I don't know if I really have the chance and the opportunity to reflect God's love. I barely have my own life together. See, God is calling you to reflect his love where you are, because that's exactly where he needs you. That's exactly where that love needs to come. It's not about you. It's about reflecting God's love. Tobias didn't even have to look beyond his own family to see a place where he could reflect selfless love to someone else, to his brother. And so maybe today it means that you're going to call a friend to check in on them after, even after a long day of work, you're going to say, the last thing I want to do as an introvert, me, is the last thing I want to do is talk to somebody at the end of the day. I want to like go home and curl up in a ball and just like, I don't know, do nothing. Or maybe you're going to take your lunch break and mentor some kids at Hubble. Maybe you're going to invite the new family down the street to dinner. Maybe you're going to ask somebody at work tomorrow how their weekend went and actually care about it and get to know them a little bit. How will you reflect God's love to the world? Now, we're going to actually give you some time to think about this and then write it down. If you notice the mirrors on the sidewalls over here, it wasn't just so you could check your hair and make sure things were good this morning. It's actually so that you can write down one way that you will reflect God's love to the world. Something you want to start doing. Maybe it's something you're already doing. Just one simple way. It doesn't have to be anything big at all. But write one way. And so we're going to give you some time to think about it. The band's going to play. And then when you're ready, you can go up. And there's dry erase markers and you can just write on the mirrors themselves. Write on the mirrors. And look at yourself and remember what God is saying to you, the two things that he's saying. He's saying, I, I've seen your reflection 
And I love you anyway. Now go and reflect my love. Hear these words one more time from Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And here are the two things that God is saying to us this morning. I have seen your reflection and I love you anyways. Now go and reflect my love. Let's keep singing one more song here.